I want you to go to 1 John chapter 1 tonight, 1 John chapter 1, and I'm going to preach quite differently tonight. I'm really going to give you more of a Bible study than I am a sermon. I'm going to ask you to do two things for me. And the first is I ask you to listen on purpose. This is going to be more of a thinking sermon than a shouting sermon, but I want you to listen, listen carefully. And then the second thing I ask you to do, and I I never ask anybody to do this, but if you're able, if you take out a pen and a paper, if you write some things down in just a minute, I'm going to make five statements, five statements. I'll tell you what the statements are when I get there. And if you would write those five statements down, I, I think it would help me, more than you, it would help me to be able to communicate the truth that I so desperately want to communicate to you tonight. When you open your Bible and you begin to read and you begin to study your Bible, you will find that there are three explicit commands in the Bible dictating to how you study the Bible. The first of those commands found in Revelation 22 and verse 18. It is do not add to the scriptures. No new new interpretations, no hidden books, no apocrypha, No secret gospels, no perverted versions do not add to the scripture. The second command is found in the following verse. Do not subtract from the scripture. Don't add, don't subtract. The third command is do rightly divide the scripture. You know the verse in 2 Timothy study to show thyself approved unto God a workman that needeth not to be ashamed rightly dividing the word of truth. The only proper way to study the Bible is to rightly divide. When you divide something, you are separating it into groups or into pieces. You have to know things that are the same and things that are different. For example, in your Bible, there is a difference between the Jew, the Gentile, and the church. There's a difference in the Bible between the kingdom and the church, between law and grace, between faith and and works. When I was a little boy in Sunday school, they taught us a little ditty that said that every promise in the book is mine, every chapter, every verse, every line. That's not true. Because every promise in the Bible is not mine. God never promised me the land of Israel like he did Abraham. God never promised me that if I didn't eat of the forbidden fruit that I would have eternal life like he did Adam. All of the Bible is written for you, but not all of the Bible is written to you. There are some commands in the Bible I'm not expected to obey. There are some promises in the Bible that I don't claim. But then when you open your Bible, you will discover that there are some doctrines or some truths that have a counter truth. Sometimes there are two doctrines that are similar but they're not synonymous. And they're really two sides of the same coin. And you have to know the difference between those. For example, if you don't know the difference between the judgment seat of Christ and the great white throne judgment, you'll end up believing in a general judgment. If you don't know the difference between law and grace, you become either an antinomian or a legalist, depending on which ditch you fall in. If you don't know the difference between salvation and reward, 
then you're either going to believe that you can earn salvation or subsequently that you can lose salvation. And tonight I'm going to be doctrinal and I want to deal with two doctrines that are very similar but they're very different. And I want to deal with the position versus the condition of the believer. Your position and your condition. And what the Bible does is the Bible makes a statement of fact about the Christian. And sometimes you find another statement of fact that seems to contradict the first statement of fact. Look, if you would, in 1 John chapter 1 and look, if you would, in verse number 9. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. I want to ask you a question. I want you to answer verbally. It's not a trick question, so don't be afraid to answer out loud. Do you ever sin? Yes, you do. Look at chapter 3. 1 John chapter 3, look if you would, in verse number 9. Whosoever is born of God doth not commit sin. For his seed remaineth in him. And he cannot sin because he is born of God. I want to ask you a question. It's not a trick question. I want you to answer verbally. Are you born of God? All right, a few of you are. Try it again. Are you born of God? Yes or no? Do you ever sin? Yes. You see, you have two statements and they seem to contradict each other, but really they aren't because one verse is talking about your standing before God. The other verse is talking about your actual state on earth. One verse is a positional truth. One verse is a conditional truth. And what God does is if you are saved, God declares you to be something even if it doesn't seem that you are or you're not living up to that. But my position tonight is the result of the work of Christ on the cross. My condition is the fruit of my works toward Christ. My position is mine the moment that I placed faith in Jesus Christ. But my daily condition is mine as I walk by either the Spirit or walk in the flesh. My position tonight is that I am sanctified, but my condition is that I may not have lived very sanctified today. I have a position and I have a condition. I'll give you an Old Testament example. In Genesis chapter 20, there's the story of two men, Abraham and Abimelech. Abraham goes down to Gerar and he lies about Sarah being his sister and not his wife. Abimelech, the king of Gerar, takes her. God tells him in a dream, hey, you have another man's wife. And so Abimelech, he gets worried and scared and he confronts Abraham about lying to him. So you have two men in that chapter. Abimelech is a pagan king. He is a heathen. He's a godless man. He has no standing with God. He can't claim the covenants, the promises. He has has no faith. But he does have a perfect standing before man. He's a man of integrity. What he does in that chapter, he does in innocence. 
However, you have Abraham. Abraham has a perfect standing before God. He's a man of faith. He has a covenant relationship with God. He's called the father of the faithful. That is his position with God. But in chapter 20, his state is that he's walking by sight. He's living in the fear of man. He's disobedient to God. He's a cowardly husband. He lies to protect himself. He justifies himself when confronted. His state doesn't match his standing, but it doesn't change his standing before God. In the chapter before, in Genesis chapter 19, you have the story of Lot. And everything that you read about Lot in the Old Testament is bad. He is selfish when he chose the well-watered plains of Sodom. He is careless when he pitched his tent towards Sodom. When you read Genesis chapter 19, he moves his family to Sodom and he becomes comfortable with wicked men. He even offers his daughters to the wicked men of Sodom. He has such a bad testimony that his sons-in-law, they mock him when he tries to warn them and the chapter ends up with him in a cave committing incest with his two daughters. But do you know what the New Testament said about him? Second Peter chapter two says, and delivered just Lot. You've got to be kidding me. Vexed with the filthy conversation of the wicked for that righteous man dwelling among them in seeing and hearing vexed his righteous soul from day to day. Now I look at him in Genesis chapter nine and I say that you're a scoundrel, but God looks at him differently and one of them is describing his position righteous and the other is describing his condition. One is his standing before God, the other is his state before man. I'll give you a positive example. Have you ever read Romans chapter eight and verse 35? Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, shall distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or peril, or sword? Nay. In all of these things, we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. Paul says, I'm persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things to come, nor height, nor death, nor, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Now, now watch this. Our position tonight is that nothing can separate me from the love of Christ and I am more than a conqueror through Jesus Christ. That's what I am. And if you're saved, you are all of that. But your condition today may be distress. It may be peril. It may be tribulation. It may be that you may have to suffer and even die for Christ, but it doesn't matter still in the love of God still can't be separated from the love of Christ. Still more than a conqueror. One is your standing before God. One is your state before man. I want to make five statements tonight. I'll, I'll make them as quickly as I can. And, but I want to make five statements. Write them down. Here, here's statement number one. Here, here it is. Our position is what we are in Christ before God. I'm, I'm sorry, our position. Our position is what we are in Christ before God. Our condition is what we are in experience before man. My position, what I am in Christ before God. My condition, what I am in experience before man. 1 Corinthians 15, 22, here's what it says. For as in Adam all die, so in Christ 
shall all be made alive. Every man in this room tonight, you are either in Adam or you are in Christ. You are linked by birth to Adam, the federal head of the human race. But when you got saved, you are made a new creature. You're taken out of Adam and you are placed in Christ. When God looks at an unbeliever, he sees him as Adam. But when God sees a believer, he sees him as Christ. For if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things are become new. So, so look at me. I am in Christ. When God sees me, he sees his son. I am as secure tonight as he is. I am accepted by the Father because I'm in the beloved. Now don't, don't, don't flip out. My position before God is that I am perfect because his son is perfect. Stay, stay with me. Stay with me. Ephesians 1 and verse 6 to the praise of the glory of his grace in wherein he hath made us accepted in the beloved. It doesn't matter what I did today. I am accepted by God because I'm in Christ, not because I'm a good person. When I come to God in prayer, I do not come on my own merits. I don't come boasting that I've done good for the last two or three days. I never come on my condition. I come on my position. I am accepted in the beloved. Now, now watch this, watch this. Stay with me. My position is perfect because Christ is perfect. But my condition is far from perfect. So you just see the preacher in the pulpit and you think he's perfect. He's not. Because I'm going to be honest with you, sometimes i got a bad attitude. And sometimes I wish some people would die. Well, if you ever pastored, you would too. Sometimes, hey, sometimes I don't discipline the flesh. And some days I don't feel very spiritual. My actual experience day by day may not match what I truly am. Guess what? I still am what I am, right? The prodigal son was always his father's son. Even when he was in a faraway country, he's not living like a son, but he is still the son of the father. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 6. 1 Corinthians chapter 6. 1 Corinthians chapter 6. You, you know this passage. Look if you would in verse number 9. 1 Corinthians 6 and verse number 9. Know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? Be not deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor abusers of themselves with mankind, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners shall inherit the kingdom of God. And such were some of you. Boy, thank God for that. That was your testimony tonight. What such were some of you. But watch this, watch this. Here's what he says to the Corinthian church. But ye are washed, but ye are sanctified, but ye are justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the spirit of our God. That's pretty good standing, isn't it? Washed, sanctified, justified. Wait a minute. Have you ever read Corinthians? I mean, go back through the book. They've got more problems and more carnality than any church in the New Testament. They're divided. They're carnal. They allow sin in the congregation. They're suing each other. They misuse, misuse spiritual gifts. They're abusing the Lord's Supper. You've got to be kidding me. Guess what? Still washed. Still justified. Still sanctified. 
I don't like their condition, but I can't argue with their position. You see, you see one thing, God sees another thing. You see me in the flesh, he sees me in his son. I say to you tonight that my position is what I am in Christ before God. My condition is what I am in experience before man. Second statement, would you write it down? It helps me. Here's the second statement. Our position will never change. Our condition is constantly changing. I will never be more saved than what I am right now. Now, I can have more or less fellowship, but I cannot have any more or less relationship with the Father. I am not working to gain acceptance of God. You cannot, you cannot improve on my position when it comes to how God sees me and you, he doesn't think that you're better and that I'm lesser. You didn't get more and I didn't get less. Your salvation is the same as mine. My position won't improve. It won't deteriorate. It's the same. It's the same. Huh? But my condition changes with the wind. No, no, matter, no matter what I do. No, now, I know it sounds heresy. It's not. No matter what I do, my position doesn't improve. It does not deteriorate. But I may have been more holy yesterday than I was today. It may be that I walked in the Spirit more today than I did yesterday. In fact, it could even be that I walked in the Spirit this morning, but by this evening I was in the flesh. You ever, you ever been there? Huh? I'm just telling you, I, I changed like when I should be more constant. I wish that I was, but I am not batting a hundred right now in my Christian walk. I, I, I'm just not. Sometimes I trust the Lord and sometimes I don't. And sometimes I walk by the Spirit and sometimes I don't. And sometimes I'm obedient to the Word and sometimes I'm not. Guess what? It doesn't change my position. My position stays the same. I hope tonight that you never backslide. I hope that you never get out of church. I hope that you never fall into deep sin. I really hope that you do. And when somebody does... Our first response is to say, well, he probably never was saved in the first place. That may, that may not be true. I, I don't know. However, if, if you are saved right now, right now, I promise you that your standing before God will never change. You ever read Ephesians chapter one? Man, Ephesians one, it describes all of these blessings that we have. Guess what? They're all in him. He, he has chosen us in him. Accepted in the beloved, in whom we have redemption, in whom we have forgiveness of sins, in whom you are sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise. He has quickened us together with Christ, made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. What a blessing that if you are accepted in the beloved, he'll never reject you. He can't accept you anymore and he can't accept you any less. You cannot be more redeemed. You cannot be more justified. You cannot be more forgiven than what you are right now. He will never get mad at you and take some of it away. He'll never revoke some of his redemption. He'll never pull your forgiveness for 30 days. He'll never do that. It's not because you're a good person. It's not because he got a great prize when he saved you. It's not because you do so much for him. No, I'll tell you why. It's because of your standing. I stand in Christ. My standing never changes. 
my state constantly changes. Because some days I have victory and some days I'm defeated. And some days I'm praising God and sometimes I'm complaining. And sometimes I experience joy and sometimes I experience sorrow. And sometimes I have peace and sometimes I have anxiety. And the reason why is because of the two natures. I have been made a divine partaker of the nature of Christ, but the old nature is still alive. And the struggle that exists is the struggle between the old man and the new man, my standing and the state. And I tell you that my condition doesn't always reflect my position, but my condition never affects my position. Your position will never change. Your condition constantly changes. Third statement, I'm watching the time. Third statement, listen to it, write it down. Every believer has the exact same position. Each believer has a different condition. There are no degrees, there are no levels to salvation. Now the Mormons want to make you work your way toward Godhood and they have this complicated caste system. That's nowhere in the Bible. I I tell you that everything you got when you got saved, I got when I got saved. Everything you became when you got saved, I became when... I got saved. Every believer in here is a saint. Justified. Sanctified. Every believer in here is. And I tell you, it's hard to be boastful when you recognize you didn't do any more for yours than I did for mine. And you got the exact same set of blessing that a million other believers down through the history of the church has gotten. We have an equal standing, equal position, equal status. And here's what happens. Sometimes somebody beats themselves up because they're not as faithful as they think they ought to be or they're not. And they struggle with the flesh. And you look over at sister so-and-so and you don't think they ever struggle. They don't have temptations of the flesh. And so somehow they're more worthy. than what You know that you're saved, but you're not worthy. And the devil uses that to beat you down. I want to tell you that the most carnal believer in this room, I don't know who it is, but if it's you, the most carnal believer in this room has the same standing with God as that preacher does. <laughs> yeah. But we don't all live the same, do we? Because some are growing, some are babes. Some are spiritual, some are carnal. Some are disciplined, some are undisciplined. Some are surrendered, some are unsurrendered. Some are zealous, some are lukewarm. Some of you have children that are grown up and that are serving the Lord. Preachers' children that are in the church and serving the Lord. Thank God for that. Some of you have children that have grown up and they've gotten away from the Lord and they've gotten out of church and they're not living like you would like for them to live. And and you you may be more pleased with, with one child than you are with the other. You may have more fellowship with the one that's serving God with the one that is not. But one is not half your son. One is not partly your child. No, you may not be as spiritual as you ought to be, but you are as saved as you can be. It's too true. They're not contradictory. They're they're, they're complementary. And if you don't understand it, you're not going to understand the Bible and you're not going to understand you and you're not going to understand the Christian life. 
I sat up there in the, in the room tonight, this, morning, this afternoon, and I just jotted some verses down, and I don't have time to, to turn to them. Colossians 3 and verse 12 says that we are the elect of God, holy and blameless. That's what it says that we are. But 1 Peter 1 says, be ye holy as he is holy. Huh? Uh, Hebrews 10 and verse 10 says that we are sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ. But 1 Thessalonians 4 says, this is the will of God, even your sanctification. 1 Corinthians 6 verse 11 says, ye are washed. But Ephesians 3 and verse 2 says, uncleanness, let it not be once named among you. Uh, Ephesians 1 and verse 7 says that we have forgiveness of sins. 1 John 1 and verse 9 says he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins. Uh, Ephesians 2 and verse 13 says that we are made nigh by the blood of Christ. James 4 says, draw nigh to Christ. 1 John 5 and verse 4 says that whoever is born of God overcometh the world. 1 John 2 says, love not the world. Ephesians 1 and verse 6 says, we're accepted in the beloved. Hebrews chapter 12 says, we're chastened by the Father. See, one of them is your position and one of them is your condition. And see, sometimes my position is very evident in my life, but sometimes my condition is more obvious in my life. And it's not just in sanctification. Sometimes you live in fear. Sometimes you live in insecurity. Sometimes you live in doubt. Sometimes you cannot get assurance of salvation. And the reality is, is that all you see is the vertical. That's all that you see. And you can't get assurance and you can't get any peace because how you feel overrides what God says. You have to accept what he said more than how you feel. Every believer has the same position, but we don't all have the same condition. Fourth statement, write it down. Fourth statement, write it down. Our position is to be enjoyed and experienced in our condition. Here's what the Bible says about me. The Bible says that I am a son of God, that I am an heir of Jesus Christ, that I am a king and a priest, and that my body is a temple of the Holy Ghost. Now, here's what I'm supposed to do. I am supposed to take those absolute statements of fact that God said about me, and I am to live like a son of God. And I am to enjoy the riches that I have in Jesus Christ. And I am to yield my body as that temple of the Holy Ghost. And while my standing and my state will never completely correspond in this body, I should be increasingly growing day by day toward that position. Look at Romans chapter six tonight. Still with me, say amen. amen. Romans chapter six, Bible study tonight. Look at Romans chapter six tonight. Look if you would in verse number four. Here's positional truth. Therefore we are buried with him by baptism into death. That like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. For if we've been planted together in the likeness of his death, we should be also in the likeness of his resurrection. Knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed. 
that henceforth we should not serve sin, for he that is dead is freed from Christ. Now, if we be dead with Christ, we believe that we also shall live with him, knowing that Christ being raised from the dead dieth no more, death hath no more dominion over him, for in that he died, he died unto sin once, but in that he liveth, he liveth unto God. That's positional truth. It is settled position. There is absolutely nothing that can change that. His death, his resurrection are counted as mine. Old man is crucified, freed from sin, can alive in Christ. Watch this though, verse number 11. He says, likewise, likewise, reckon ye also yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Let, let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body that ye should obey it in the lust thereof. Neither yield ye your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin, but yield yourselves unto God. Verse 14, for sin shall not have dominion over you. You can take the positional truths of the first part of the chapter and you can live as none of those things are so. But here's what you're supposed to do. You're supposed to get a hold of the truth of the relationship that you have with God through Christ and you are to reckon it and you are to yield your body to righteousness and not allow sin to reign in your body and you are to exercise wrecked righteousness and, and yield to the Holy Spirit so that that position is experienced in your condition. If, if you don't ever live in verse 11 through 14, verse 4 through 10 are still true. But take the reality of verse 4 through 10 and live it. Go live it. Here's what Paul said. He said, I am crucified with Christ. Position. Nevertheless, I live. Condition. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. Position. But the life which I live, I live in the flesh. Condition. I live by the faith of the Son of God. You know that ought to be the aim of every believer. That the Holy Spirit every day waken me and guide me and direct me and teach me and convict me so that every day my conduct is raised to the level of my standing before God. That what God says is absolutely true about me. That you can see it in my daily walk. Our position is to be experienced and enjoyed in our condition. I'll give you one more statement. I'm done. And see, somebody's going to walk out of here tonight. And, I, and here's the danger of it. Somebody's going to walk out of here tonight and say, well, preacher said it doesn't matter how we lived. But if it's already a subtle fact, then, then what does it matter? And see, see, the danger is that if we preach position, somebody says, well, you're not preaching practical holiness. I believe it does matter how you live. I do believe that you ought to have standards. But that is not all that we ought to preach. I don't want to be guilty of just laying down the rules without explaining the relationship. That's right, yeah. If I just preach standards, you can get squeaky clean and you will be a hypocrite is what That's you right. are. I have, I have a 15-year-old son at home, Parker, and Parker has rules, but that's not all that he has. Parker has a relationship. I would hate to think that the only connection I have with my son are the rules that I've laid down for him, but I had relationship with him 
before I had rules. I tell you, the connection is relationship-based. Not Boy, we wish I had time to preach. It is not relationship-based. It is rules-based. And, and the Bible says that His commandments are not grievous. His commandments, I don't believe that they are. But for some Christians, they are. But His commandments are not grievous. Here's the thing about it. If you realize the relationship, then there's no problem with the rules. But you got to know the relationship, you see. And I believe that when you learn who you are in Christ and how God sees you and that you're not working toward acceptance, you're working from it, that will empower you to begin living that holy life. Last statement, I'm done. When I am glorified, my position and condition will finally be united. For whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his son. By the way, you know Romans 8, 28, 29. I'll just mention this to you. All of the verbs, foreknow, justified, sanctified, all of the verbs are in the past tense, including glorified. But you're not glorified yet, are you? That's coming. But in the eyes of God, your future glorification is just as sure as your present justification. <laughs> Being confident in this very thing, that he, he which hath begun a good work in you will complete it until the day, or will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. First John 3, beloved, now we are the sons of God. It does not yet appear what we shall be, but we know, we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he's, I'm telling you, I don't know where you are on the journey right now, but I'm telling you, that is the destination. That is where it is going to end up at. Perfect conformity to the image of Jesus Christ, a completed work. I will be like him. You may backslide. You may not grow. You may quit serving God. You may even get out of church. But if your standing is true, if your standing tonight is in Christ, then God will complete. He will perform the work in you. And one day you will be in practice, just like Jesus, as you are right now in position. If, if that practice is not in play in your life, if that progress is not there, there's a good reason to question if you are in Christ. If you are one of God's children, you'll feel the conviction of His Spirit. You'll feel the tug of His Word. You'll be urged toward holiness. You'll be bothered by your sin. And if you resist, you'll feel the hand of chastisement. But if you're His child, one day He will bring you to the point of complete... It won't be in this body of flesh. It won't be here. But he will complete the work that he began. He'll make you like Jesus. And you will be glorified. I'm going to tell you tonight that encourages me here. And here's why. I want my condition to match my position. I want to live like the child of God that I am. But I have an old nature. The body of flesh 
And sometimes it rises up. And sometimes I submit to it instead of the Holy Spirit. But it encourages me. It doesn't change my position when I do. I don't lose my salvation. I don't lose favor with God. It encourages me that He doesn't quit working on me. He doesn't just throw me away. No, He said. He said that He will complete the work. It encourages me that one day my state, (laughs) that one day you will see me as He sees me. You have it? Position, condition. It is what God sees is what man sees. It is what God has done. It is what God is doing. It cannot ever change. It is constantly changing. It should affect my condition. (laughs) It doesn't affect my position. God took care of it. I am to take care of it. You get it? Romans 6, Romans 7. Old man, new man. If you are unaware of it, it produces guilt. If you are unaware of it, it produces pride. If you are aware of it, it produces peace. If you are aware of it, It produces repentance. Near, so very near to God, I could not nearer be. For in the person of God's Son, I am as near as He. Would you bow your heads with me tonight? As my eyes closed, Bible study tonight, you've listened well.